Hey, Guru, everyone. Hey, Guru. Welcome, everybody, um, to the Awake, the Life of Yogananda minute-by-minute podcast. Um, today, we're talking about minute 22, and we are still in that experience of a Yogananda having to let go of his um, earthly mother. Um, as always, we're here with Priyank and Chris. How are you guys doing today? Fine. It's doing well. It's, it's hot in Brazil, as I'm sure you're all keen to hear. Yes. Brazil, <laughs> Brazil weather reports. Yes. I think this is the one occasion where this is the one occasion where all three of us might have the exact same weather. Is it right? It's, it's like it's, 30, it's, 30 degrees right now here. In okay. London at 30 in degrees. London, yeah. Whoa. Enjoy, enjoy, okay. it, enjoy it for the one day that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> California. What's the temperature in LA, Mike? I'm sure it's 30 degrees somewhere. Here by the coast, it's more like 25. Okay. Yeah, so you actually got it warmer there. You must be dying in London at 30. Yeah. Sweating. Hey, you got long sleeves on as well. (laughs) Yeah, I had some work stuff to do. All right, all right, all right. Nice, nice. So in the the movie, we're at this point where um, Yogananda's mom had passed away. And now he's um, processing it mentally. He is like, he has this whole thing going on with his mom, having to let go of his mom. And, but at the same time, feeling divine mother, being the mother behind all mothers, taking care of him, having always taken care of him and beginning to realize that. Um, then there's also that tiger story that is being mentioned and, um, and Guruji, um, is is um, processing all of this mentally, and uh, the pictures they're they're very slow, and the the voices are soft. So it's a very it's a bit of a ethereal kind of scene that we're in. So so should we start with um, uh, our our first section would be about the building at 50 Amherst Street because this is the building where. Um, Guruji's mother was about to prepare Ananta's wedding, the wedding of the oldest son, which is in India and a really big event. Can you talk about this a little bit, uh, Priyank, what kind of occasion this is in an Indian family? Yes, I can. So as with uh, most mothers, um, Makunda's mom was very uh, pleased to uh, have the first wedding in the family on the eldest son. So that's a very, very big occasion. Usually the, 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 the mother's side or the, your, the family usually hosts the biggest occasion for the daughter. So the first daughter has actually has the biggest wedding. But, mm. um, and the, daughter, the family hosts all daughters' weddings. So they are much, they got much, families have much more to do in, with daughters. But because this was the first one, uh, first child from them to get married so Ananta being the eldest son they would have planned lots of elaborate things for him um, so it would have all followed the same sort of custom you know three or four day uh, procedure but each event would have been very grand I'm sure mm-hmm. and it's um, I'm not sure if they bought it for this occasion but they had recently acquired this new house in 50 Amherst Street in Kolkata which is what they said is more spacious than the previous one. Uh, in the autobiography, they say 
it was uh, easy to fit in all those relatives that came to visit to um, have them all stay with them because they had more space now. Um, what else do we know about this um, building, Chris? Yeah, they they purchased the building, um, which is quite a, an extravagant uh, show of wealth, actually, <laughs> for for uh, Yogananda's parents, um, and uh, they they had it really for for the wedding. So, um, you know, this much we know that that uh, you know there was tragedy uh, where uh, Yogananda's mother uh, passed away in in the building. Yogananda later would go to visit the building, and there's some accounts of. Oh, he would, uh, you know, be, be walking through the corridors and, and reliving, you know, his mother's memory. So um, we, we know that the building was sold on and used uh, used as a school in later years and so on. But uh, it's still, you know, you can see pictures of it and people will go there to pay homage and pilgrimage to, to the site today. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite a grand building, actually, when, when you see it. Uh, it certainly has a lot of memories uh, for Yogananda. Uh, at, at that time, it was quite significant for me. I might be throwing a bit of a curveball now, but I, a question just arose in me because I have been to Kolkata once and I went to Guruji's home um, and I think it was Gwapar Road where I was, Gwapar Road. Or yeah. um, Gar Garpur, a, number four Garpur Road, I think, isn't it? Gwapar Road, yeah. <laughs> that's a different building, right? To be, just to be sure, that is not, that is not this one. So there's like two two different buildings where Guruji's family had lived. Is that that is correct. Probably. If any exactly. If any of the listeners knows about this, please let me know. Um, because in that case, next time I go to Kolkata, I need to visit this both of them, obviously. <laughs> um, Let's talk, let's talk about Guruji's, um, like we talked about in the, in the last minute about how um, his mother called him to come back um, and he, they, did, they didn't make it in time. And, but now inside Guruji's mind, it, it changed a bit. Like um, he's, uh, he's realizing the loss of his mother. He said it took him years to actually let go of her really because he really had a strong, strong bond with her. Um, but the role of divine mother suddenly becomes very prominent in his mind. Um, do you want to talk about this a little bit, Priyank? Yes, so the script is quite profound. So I'm going to paraphrase the script. So the script says, I, this is mother, cosmic mother, as if speaking, and, and the, the, the script goes, um, paraphrased, I have looked after you through many lifetimes, many mothers, look into my eyes and see your mother. And then we see um, an image of his birth mother, uh, blurry, like over the sunset. So the, the script is very deep and profound and of also the, the scenes likewise. So I really, I, I wanted to, let's, let's dig into that. Um, so I've looked after you through many lifetimes. How did that make you feel? Chris. <laughs> it's profound, isn't it? Um, and I think, uh, well, I, I, I can speak personally, you know, I, my mother has been there for me and had a very large influence in my life um, growing up, which I'm entirely blessed uh, and thankful for. 
So when, when I hear this, uh, you know, I do get triggered with, you know, thoughts of, of, of gratitude and feelings of gratitude for my own mother, but um, interesting that, uh, uh, you know, you, you uh, in a previous incarnation could have been a mother yourself. And, and I think it, it kind of speaks yeah. to our uh, feminine uh, side, you know, of, of caring and, and, and loving nature. And, uh, you know, certainly when, when that, sentence uh was read uh when i read that sentence i thought to myself how complex this this world is that we've that we're a part of and how fantastic this this life is really so yeah it fills me with you know love and affection but also makes me you know wonder you know exactly what stories you know we could tell in previous incarnations, you know, from, from from various experiences that we've had with Divine Mother, uh, being part of the channel for Divine Mother, but also receiving uh, the love. Nice. I can I can share a little bit in that direction. I mean, I keep mentioning that um, um, because um, I I lost my mother at some point, and I. Um, seeing it the way Guruji does instantly here, this, is, this shows his level of spiritual maturity. Like for me, my journey was a bit different because I, I, I took my mother completely for granted while she was there. And then, when she, and then she didn't really go at an old age or something. So when she was gone, it was like, oh my God, this is, um, this is different. This is... Um, this, this basically took like one of those veils of delusion that you have in front of you that just took one of them away, basically. Um, seeing, um, reading uh, how Guruji lost his mother is, was very, it's very healing. It's very like, because it's this, this really adult way of seeing what your mother really is. It is um, an incarnation of divine mother in your life that gives you that love that you need to establish yourself in this life. Especially when you're a young kid, you need protection, you need um, love. And this is basically what you get there. And then you look back at it and you look at it with um, a lot of gratitude and uh, with a lot of, you are just thankful. Thank, thank you for having played that role for me. And then it suddenly turns from something painful into something beautiful. And I think at some point it was like that for Guruji as well. And that's why he describes this in such detail. It, it's very true what you say, Mike, and it really struck home for me when I heard the receive me on my lap of mother. And it, mm -hmm. it's both it's both like a beautiful but sorrowful and very high, it's a very heartfelt song in, in a way that um, you, you can't help but be transfixed with uh, when, when you hear it, really, you know, um, cast me not on delusion's door and, you know, receive me on the lap of mother. They're, they're just beautiful, beautiful words. And, you know, really, this is another example, uh, just uh, we've repeated a few, a few times now, or I have, of the events in the life that really spur the desire to know God and to, to experience the love through Divine Mother in this physical form, in, in the form of your own mother, is a drop in the ocean in in sense of what the love of God is. And the love uh, that God, um, that you can have for God, and it, it spurs you to to seek that love out uh, in, in a way, um, 
and you can see that in, in Guruji's uh, songwriting and, and, and his words. Um, so yeah. Yeah, like one more thing I wanted to add this um, when I when you just said that, Chris, is that I think Guruji mentioned somewhere that the love of a mother to a child is one of the examples of unconditional love in in our lives, which is also beautiful. Yeah. Um, so then um, in India, when you think of divine mother, there isn't just one, right? There is like multiple aspects of the divine mother. Guruji obviously chose the mother Kali. Um, I'm not sure, um, that's another curveball for Priyank, how many, of the <laughs> how many of those aspects you know and what they mean. And do you, do you know why um, Kali is the one that he um, keeps referring to? Yeah, so Kali and I think Kala, Kala also means time. So she's mm. also, she's the aspect of timelessness or, you know, master of or responsible for time and therefore responsible for the creation and annihilation of our universe. There's that aspect to, to Mother Kali. And that's why she's somehow, some, for some, uh, some of her images are very gruesome. They're in that form, which is quite scary because, you know, time, time takes things away, as we know in this case for for Yogananda's mother. But the other aspects are also that, you know, you, you mentioned how many con uh, types of, or how many forms of divine mother are there in, in India. And there's literally countless, every single, every single village um, will have a different, uh, you know, matron, saint, uh, a divine mother form. And it's very common for, Everyone, even though there might be a Shiva temple, etc., but the Divine Mother temple will be the one um, that is the the most important one for the, all the Hindus in the village. So, in my in my um, in my village, it was um, Dosla Mata, and um, so she's she looks a bit like Kaliasto. She has her tongue out, and um, she also looks a bit like Lakshmi. Um, so, yeah, each of the Hindu gods actually have a uh, female counterpart. Um, Krishna has Radha, Shiva has Parvati, etc. Interesting. There's, there's a really cool story here. If I, I can read it, it's a paragraph, <laughs> paragraph long, so it shouldn't be too long. Um, and uh, I find it uh, actually in a writing. Let me just quote this: it's uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and Divine Mother Kali uh, on uh, Sat uh, or Sing. SangeetaYoga.com, and it's a blog um, written by Kamala uh, Kamala Kanta. Uh, so you know, go and check that out. It's it's a great uh, great read. And he, he talks about um, Ali Makali uh, Ma here, uh, referencing Mukunda. You know, as time went on, the young Mukunda's love for Makali was so intense that his family began to support his devotion. When he was one year old, uh, he was uh, taken to Lahir Mahashad to, to get a blessing. Um, and uh, he was um, told by Lahir Mahashad that um, he, uh, to, to encourage his spiritual inclinations. Um, and, and she made a Kali murti for him. So uh, they put this murti on a low stool and performed puja together. Uh, and it was a one and a half foot high, perfect image of Ma Kali. Uh, so even at a very young age, Mukunda 
informed Kali Puja every day before moving to Kolkata. So I thought that was a, that was a nice um, uh, story. So it was it was in his life really from the very very beginning. Yeah, that's that's also part of the I think of the Bengali culture a bit, right? I I think the um, maybe not Kali Puja, but Durga Puja is like the one of the biggest festivals they have in 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 Bengal, right? And it's also uh, she's also an aspect of Divine Mother, right? Yeah, mm. I've also um, whilst we're here, let me share an image of um, an image of Yogananda's mother, so everyone can see. So we can see here. Um, you can see she looks very much like. Uh, Yogananda and Mukunda. Um, and we also see that, you know, in, in this um in this minute, the, the words are poignant in terms of the reference to the eyes. So it kind of says, um, the script says, look into my eyes and see your mother. Um uh, you know, the and they said look into my divine mother's eyes. And she there's a lot of divinity in those eyes, isn't there? Isn't there? And mm. this picture is obviously also in the autobiography of a yogi as well. And you can mm. you kind of you you see Yogananda straight through those eyes as well, don't you? Mm. I always Very thought, beautiful dark uh, eyes. Mm. Yeah. The the eyes are the windows to the soul, right? And uh, you know, there there's depth in in, in those eyes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in color. Is it in color in the autobiography as well? No, 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 you... no. I think this has been colored nice. <laughs> artistically. Um, yeah, very beautiful. Yeah, amazing. Um, was there was there one more paragraph, Chris, that we wanted to read in this section, or did we want to move on? There's actually so much in here. You know, I really, really encourage the listeners go check out that blog on on Mother Kali on the. Uh, yoga.com it's, it's pretty cool. But, uh, no, for, for for all intents and purposes, that I mean that's a good snapshot. We can we can move on. Nice. So the the next thing that is mentioned in the movie is the the story with the tiger. Um, I can just paraphrase it, but it's it's basically Guruji um, when when he when he dreamt at night he would have nightmares and he would um, every now and then dream of a tiger breaking his leg. And his mom would then come at night and tell him it's just a dream. And that kind of um, made him, of course, because he's an avatar, like not every kid would do that, but he would say, from then on, I started um, differentiating between what is real and unreal, even in my dreams, which is not easy to do, right? Like you are not even conscious in your dream. Um, but it's it's um, it shows, like whenever something happened to him that um, was an not not a what a, what how do you say that like an an adverse condition or something he would like face it right on. Um, yeah. Um, do you, um, what do you think about that tiger story, Priyank? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I think we've all we've all had those kind of vivid dreams, and then we um, we may as we may as well go into dreams in a minute but that tiger story is a really good one because tigers are you they're pretty scary aren't they <laughs> of all the big cats tigers are the, the most mysterious and the scariest so it's pretty natural for for mukunda to to dream of of that and especially obviously being from india we we 
it, you, you, it's not an uncommon sight to see a tiger. And there's, there's also, there's still tigers in the wild in India. Yeah, um, and obviously they're protected after the British uh, ransacked the tiger population through hunting. Is that right? Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, they used to be uh, like tens of thousands and now it's down to the thousands and um, and uh, they're, they're only in protected areas. So they've literally tracked all the tigers in the wild. Um, and so mm. yeah, it's a precarious situation. I think there's meant to be more tigers in Texas, uh, US, than uh, <laughs> in captivity like in people's gardens <laughs> crazy <laughs> it's insane uh, you know than all india so, something like that um, do you guys yeah. do you guys have a vivid nightmare such as that that you wouldn't mind uh, us analyzing and dissecting <laughs> I, th I feel like tigers have played a prominent enough role in my life to be <laughs> My, my scariest nightmare i still recur it's a recurring nightmare for me is um there's there's always a lot of pressure for me to do well in school and i've got this um recurring dream of like having an exam like finals and not being prepared in any way like it just being spring up and it's walking into the exam and opening it not knowing a single thing about what to do <laughs> in any of the thing and as a recurring uh, nightmare then I literally when i wake up i'm so relieved and i'm <laughs> I'm I'm Is sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry Priyank but that means you're such a nerd <laughs> <laughs> or uh, too much educational pressure too much educational pressure but you yeah, know it's a yeah. similar, similar feeling to the tiger for me that's as uh, <laughs> as palpitating <laughs> <laughs> just hearing that yeah. uh, it's amazing I like it I mean, look at Guruji, what he did. He just went to Sri Yukteswar and said, Guruji, I haven't studied. Can you, can you make me pass the exam somehow? <laughs> he, he, he happened to study the only part that came up in the exam, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. how the story goes. Yeah. You've got to share your yeah. nightmare stories now. Come on. It's got to be, it's got to be equally, equally as embarrassing. Yeah. I would, I would personally love to. I'm <laughs> think. Chris what? is fearless. Uh -huh. He's fearless. Look at him. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just a spiritual warrior. What can I say? Yeah. No, uh, I, I think, I think there's, you know, recurring dreams that I've had. You know, I, I empathize with your dream, Priyank. Um, you know, I think I've dreamt many times um, of, of uh, missing school and waking up and realizing it was a weekend or something like that. But um, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I suppose reoccurring dreams of maybe running away from something you're being hunted down by some you know unknown you know uh, figure and and you're 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 kind of stuck in quicksand and, you know interestingly actually I've, I've just googled um you know symbolism and what tigers mean in dream uh and you know if any listeners are kind of into this aspect of analyzing dreams you know, share your share your thoughts on this because uh, i i have no idea if this is right or wrong but you know it's it's on school so I, i'll share it so the, the tiger, the symbolism stands for willpower, boldness, royalty, mightiness, courage, vitality, energy, generosity. And if, if the tiger is attacking, um, you know, it means something different to the tiger who's maybe injured or so on. And it, it means really your enemies and obstacles and troubles are, are coming your way. And interesting that, you know, it broke McKinsey's leg uh, in the dream. I'm not exa exactly sure what the interpretation would be there, but you know, he's he's somebody who's taken on 
the spiritual fight, hasn't he? And planted the flag for other people to rally around, you know, on, on planet Earth, you know, for, for us all to come together. And that takes a lot of battling internally, spiritually, you know, in every sense. So um, when I saw this, yeah, it clicked. It made sense uh, that, you know, he would be attacked by a fearsome, fearsome animal. Um, so I, th I thought I'd just share that as a segue to me getting out of talking about my nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone... Um... Uh, unless Mike wants to go. Does anyone have, um, what are they called? Those dreams where you can, lucid dreams, that's it, where you mm. realize that you're dreaming and you can start to then play with what happens in the dream. And then when, go on, Chris. A lot, yeah, a lot of the time, yeah. I, 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 that, and I kind of thought that, you know, it's normal and you, know, you talk about these things. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that they are. But I think that people on the spiritual path, um, you will, you you probably will find a little bit more happening in dreams, you know, my estimates anyway. Um, and uh, you know, Yogananda talks a lot about dreams, doesn't he? And dream, dreaming, dreaming is like a theme with Yogananda, isn't it? Um, mm. The cosmic, cosmic dreamer, um, and, and he talks a lot about you know reality being a, being a dream of of God of, of um, cosmic intelligence. And, um, you know what what is reality uh so to speak uh but but uh, a show of, of light and shadows in dream form but he, he does talk about it that if you are dreaming too much you need to meditate more so <laughs> your, your mind your subconscious is too active and you have to really try to settle the mind before you go, go into go into sleep so um, you you sidestepped a key point there so in the last dream where you were lucid what did you do oh, okay um, <laughs> it's it's funny actually. I'm sure listeners and you guys maybe maybe if you've had similar experiences, um, it, it's it's interesting to play with manifestation when you're in dream form, um, and uh, you, you know I, I've had lots of dreams where you're flying, and, mm. and uh, of course these can be interpreted in lots of ways, but. Um, even even just uh, silly, silly things like uh, maybe driving and, you know, you might want to all of a sudden be in a different vehicle or, you know, maybe fly a plane or something like this. But I've had, I've had lots of these um, things, but, uh, yeah, I don't think it helps my meditation <laughs> state. Mike, did you ever, were you ever lucid other than when you're taking drugs? Yeah, when I take drugs all the time. For all the listeners, I don't take this, any drugs. This podcast does um, not condone the use of drugs or anything. Yes. If children are listening, don't take drugs. It's not worth it. <laughs> um, so for what I I haven't I, I don't really dream a lot. Um, I tried to do a dream journal for a while because I felt mm -hmm. like I always wake up and like I, I sleep, I don't sleep very long. So I, I go to sleep, I meditate, I go to sleep and then I always wake up at like six or something. And then I can't remember any dream. And sometimes I do a little bit and I started writing a dream journal for a while, but it didn't go very well. There wasn't very many days where I had much to say. Um, I. Dreams become lucid for me sometimes when really bad things happen because I, then I go like, this is so bad, this has to be a dream. You know, like sometimes I drive mm -hmm. and, and I run over a person or I, 
I, I fight with someone and I lose an arm or something like that happens. And I'm like, come on, this is not real. And the funny thing is that I, I can convince myself that it's a dream, but this, you know, this really negative feeling that you have, I lost my arm. This doesn't go away. I, if I could make it go away like this, I, I would uh, prefer that. Oftentimes it leads to me waking up um, because this, and then when you wake up, you know, and then you have this feeling, oh, it was just a dream and this negativity goes away. Um, I was never able to do this inside my dream um, because I feel like that's some, uh, somehow what Guruji talks about, like differentiating between the real and the unreal in your dream. But like um, nightmares, they, they haven't happened in a while. I think they also have to do with, did you have a late night snack or something like that? Like mm-hmm. that's oftentimes what, they, what it tells you. Cheese, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what about yourself, Craig? What Go on, share, share with us. Yeah, so I've had a few a few of such dreams uh, the one that's vivid in my mind where I was I was, I was with my family um and it was just it was a normal event and they were going about their business and I was like okay guys I'm I'm dreaming right now so I'm I'm just going to leave right now so then I left that area and everyone was like what do you what do you mean you're dreaming I was like I'm dreaming I'm asleep and I, and I remember leaving and I don't remember what happened um, after that but I remember that distinctly that conversation I thought it was really it's really quite profound that uh, that experience that um, you know ex- to explain to even your dream family that you're uh, you're um, yeah you're, you're dreaming um, but in in Alamisha you I think there's there's also uh, something that's interesting for us as devotees because <clears throat> I think you may be like I think you talked about meaning of dreams Chris but I think there's also something to that in the sense that uh, your guru is probably able to pass in and out of your dreams more easily than in your um, waking consciousness so for example I'll I'll tell you a very nice story that Brahmachari Jason told us I think Mike you perhaps were there um, one of the young adults meetings in London Centre, he said um, this one devotee in, in South America, she just, you know, she just found the path and then she found that there was a centre that was near her. So she was very excited and she used to go regularly. So she was very new and very keen. And then she, you know, she started saying, can I serve? And they, they, they told her, yeah, please, you know, we're having, a, we've got a commemoration evening. Uh, meditation happening in a couple of weeks why don't you prepare the flowers for that so she said oh yeah you know that's a what what a privilege what an honor and she like she really thought about this she like you know picked which flowers Guruji would like and she thought about the arrangement even though she's never done it before she thought about you know fragrances and all these things about um about that so then she she did it and she put it there and she you know she came early for the commemoration and put it out and then what happened was the person who'd given her the task said, well, what are you doing? This is not right. And then she really scolded her. So she was really, really angry. And um, she was the, the person the person who was you know, saying this is not right. Now we don't have enough time to correct it. You've done it all wrong. And obviously this, this, this new devotee was very, very, very taken back. And she was very upset, even to the point that she thought, okay, maybe this isn't the... Um, this isn't the right path for me. You know, I've done something with such devotion and, you know, someone somewhere is saying this, something's very wrong. And then, and then her sister came around uh, the next day and then they were just talking and her sister said to this lady, Oh, I had the strangest dream. And she's like, Oh, what, what dream did you have? 
and she said, "Oh, this this strange thing, this this feminine-looking man with really long long hair. He was he was wearing orange, and he said he, he just he just came to me and he said, um, thank you very much. I really love the flowers, and and then and 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 uh, obviously that 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 devotee that that did the arrangement was then." was then obviously very taken aback and she was reassured mm -hmm. of her of her devotion but in for for guruji to manifest physically obviously that would be quite a miraculous feat but through subconscious you know superconscious states it's uh, mm -hmm. much um, much uh, easier so I, I really like that story mm -hmm. um yeah and, yeah I, I think there's definitely more more to this um than you know is uh, meets the immediate uh, you know line of thought where in dream states you know are you you know how active are you in in, in what forms I've I've heard you know lots of things of uh, schools you know SRF kind of schools going on where you're learning uh, with Guruji and you know so on and so forth you know what what do you do when you go into you know sleep state um, dreaming and, and and that are two different things but. Um, it's it's certainly interesting, isn't it? And uh, meditating before sleep, I think, to Mike, uh, to, to your point, is is the way to go. Uh, and then your dreams are probably less uh, significant um, because you're you're in a more peaceful, vibratory uh, place. I actually have some information on this um, to share from the Second Coming of Christ. If now is a good time to do that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and. Uh, you know, there's uh, a part in, in the book uh, that talks about all forms of matter are different um, and rates, uh, rates of vibrating, vibrating spirit uh, of thought. Um, so I can go into this a, a little bit. It's a very short paragraph. Um, so thought of matter, energy, all matter, all things are nothing but the different, uh, differently vibrating thoughts of spirit. Even as man in his dreams creates a world of lightning and clouds, people being born or dying, loving or fighting and experiencing heat or cold, uh, all births and deaths, sickness and disease, solids, liquids or gases in a dream state uh, are nothing but the vibrating, the, uh, the differently vibrating thoughts of the dreamer. Uh, this uh, universe is a motion picture of God's thoughts on the screen of human consciousness. And obviously mm -hmm. a couple of analogies there about, you know, the God's thoughts on, on the on the motion picture, which again is a you know common theme with Yogananda's uh, talks and, and uh, teachings, but you know the, the dream state. These are not. This is nothing but a dream state, um, which uh, you know you've got to pinch yourself at times, uh, but for how real it feels to us. Um, so to Yogananda's point, you know, pinch yourself in, in the dream state when you're sleeping, but also in reality when you're going about your physical kind of day-to-day -day activity because it's also nothing but a dream um yeah so. it's a dream inside a dream right so Ooh, yeah it's like it's um i, I want to segue um i'm gonna add another segue here because guruji also talks often about the movie screen um and the idea that you have like this projector that projects a dream on a canvas and we're watching it and he mentions this many times in in the autobiography and in other ways that this is basically what our life is. It's the cosmic motion picture that, that we're going through. And speaking of motion picture, there is um, a film um, that basically um, talks a lot about um, the dream state. And this is, of course, Inception uh, by Christopher Nolan. 
And uh, Priyank, I believe you have a clip that you want to share. Yes, I do. Hey. They say we only use a fraction of our brain's true potential. Now, that's when we're awake. When we're asleep, our mind can do almost anything. Such as? Well, imagine you're designing a building, right? You consciously create each aspect. But sometimes it feels like it's almost creating itself, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah like I'm discovering it. Genuine inspiration, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in a dream, our mind continuously does this. We create and perceive our world simultaneously and our mind does this so well that we don't even know what's happening that allows us to get right in the middle of that process how by taking over the creating part now this is where i need you you create the world of the dream we bring the subject into that dream and they fill it with their subconscious how could i ever acquire enough detail to make them think that it's reality well dreams They feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. Let me ask you a question. You never really remember the beginning of a dream, do you? You always wind up right in the middle of what's going on. I guess, yeah. So how did we end up here? Well, we just came from the... Uh... Think about it, Ariadne. How did you get here? Where are you right now? Dreaming? You're actually in the middle of the workshop right now, sleeping. This is your first lesson in shared dreaming. Fantastic. Mm. So how do you know you're, how you're not dreaming, Mike? I actually don't. Uh, like from all <laughs> from all I know, I, I I am dreaming. I'm living the cosmic dream. Um, but I. Just thinking about this, like the, the the way the movie makes you think about the dreams is um, basically for me, it's cosmic truth seeking. It's starting to think met metaphysically um, and that's why I like it and thanks for sharing it. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's, also, it's, you know, we, in the in the last minute we, were we talked about that, um, that, that, that part from The Lion King about the father and, um, you know, there's even though it's a cartoon and there's some parts of truth that when you hear truth you know it and as part of that dialogue about dreams that everyone can resonate with isn't it like no one remembers the start of a dream do they how did you get here mm. don't know um one of the um one of the fantastic meditations that uh, we just had in convocation um one of the sub subsidiary subsidiary meditations after the talk was about consciousness and this is on a similar theme so she she was asking okay so you know get yourself in a meditative state and she said okay um when when if, if i asked you to just think about consciousness do you exist right now are you conscious and then you obviously you can feel that you're conscious so you you nod and you agree to yourself and then and then she asked okay so when do you think this consciousness began you know was there a beginning and then you think actually no consciousness has always been here isn't it it's not it wasn't didn't start when i was born the consciousness was there okay so when do you think this consciousness will end and then you'll think yeah of course why would it end it doesn't need to end at this point of death does it and then she says okay we'll focus on that that's That is, you know, you're, you're approaching truth there. You know, consciousness is uh, eternal. It's, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. Um, and obviously, that's a 
such a powerful powerful meditation because then you, you come to your own you know state of awareness of, of your you know your the essence of your existence as, as pure consciousness i like that a lot i i do um this is when i was a kid and i was told about reincarnation i kind of um noticed that i was actually quite happy with the thought that there is no reincarnation because i subconsciously felt that maybe there is no reincarnation but somehow my existence would still go on after this life um that was my default um thought pattern and then reincarnation kind of fit into this really nicely and then i tried to imagine what it would be like if i would after this life i would completely cease to exist and it was a very depressing thought i was like okay no this is this is not it like there's, so there's no level on which i exist anymore afterwards i i was unable to accept that basically and i think this hits into the same uh, category that that we are always conscious on some level and that dream is just one one layer of our consciousness i guess mm -hmm. we have uh, things that occur in this life to shake it awake from that dream just as uh, mm -hmm. we do in the dream state as well right so oh, like you said oh something bad happens am i dreaming this could be real should we should we move on to the to the next um i saw i saw chris um shared a very beautiful picture of of mother kali do you do you want to share that or whoever has um Absolutely. sharing rights at the moment yeah. i think Freen, i might have the sharing rights but i'm happy to Jump yeah, let me do it. Let me do it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, for any for any viewers that are <laughs> tuning into the video, you yes. can you can enjoy. Share screen. There you go. This is um Markali and the Dakshin is this Dakshineshwara temple, um, uh, Chris? I, so this was on the um, the website that I was looking at before. Um, sorry, uh, Samita Yoga, I believe. Um, the backstory to this, uh, yes, I think it, I think it is uh, in in the temple, but uh, I couldn't tell you too much. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. I just I just googled it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can see her tongue her tongue out, and she's a yeah, it's a very fierce form, isn't it? And yeah, she, it's it's frightening. Mm -hmm. And you said that it's because she also represents time, and time takes things away. Yeah, she's also also seen as the destroyer, destroyer of evil, darkness, all that kind of good stuff. So lots of um, symbology there in in everything from what she's holding. For example, on some occasions she's seen standing on Shiva, <laughs> mm -hmm. and there's a there's a lovely story about um, why Shiva is would be seen with a goddess standing on him <laughs> and you can you can look that up yeah it's certainly very different from anything that you would find in the western <laughs> you know uh, places of worship um a, a lot more colorful and vibrant and you know uh thought-provoking than um than a lot uh, of things that you'd have in the uk um so whenever i see that from the pers my perspective it's, it's shocking you know when, when you first see that and it's funny to imagine you know a young makunda really worshiping 
this image, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's profound, really, very different. Mm. There's a um, there's a there's a tale there's a temple in Wales, um, in on, on the mountains on the hills. It's called Skanda Vale, and um, yeah. it's um, a very famous temple. It's run by um, run by Welsh or English devotees. Um, and this again uh, to the divine mother um, Skanda Mata, and um, I always when I remember when I first went there, and just to your point, Chris, you know you wouldn't normally see Westerners, you know, think, seeing any divinity in in such images, but then all these, you know, you know, in this temple, it's run purely by um, Welsh and English people or, or white people, and. Well, I remember being really shocked because I just I was like, "What? Well, how can they? You know, I've been ingrained to to this form of divinity, you know, uh, but these guys are just doing it. They're just delved into the culture and they're doing it with such devotion. You know, they have arati at like half four a.m. and there's various rituals and things they do throughout the whole day. And it's a very beautiful place if anyone uh, comes to Wales um, and wishes to spend a weekend away from the hustle and bustle. I've, I've uh very quickly find find what you're talking about and actually have the image of um Callie there uh, from from that side <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, looks, it looks awesome doesn't it yeah yeah it looks similar doesn't it very similar so to wrap it up we can still talk a little bit, bit about uh, the meaning behind um Guruji's mother's passing, the, the, the purpose of death in, in our cycle of being born and dying. It's a very profound question, but if any, any thoughts you want to share on this, Chris? So the, the idea of death for me was always um, backed up with the Christian uh, teachings, which um, are very, very different from you know what what we are uh, taught in in the um, uh, yoga in yoga and with uh, yogananda very very different so one of purgatory and judgment and and you know uh, having your sins weighed you know weighed up and cast into hell for eternity versus you know going to heaven um very very different from you know the reality that uh of reincarnation let's say um so my the first uh chunk of my life a very very large chunk it's always battling with this idea of what actually happens to you when you die and to your point Mike, michael um you know i thought uh, to myself there must there must simply be more to this than what is being told in, in these teachings in the christian side of things so i never accepted it and i always rebelled you know against people that i was speaking to and there was usually some kind of heated discussion when it came to the subject of death um whether you're talking to an atheist or talking uh, to, to somebody of a Christian background. Um, and I, I think actually, um, you know, how, how much better would the world be if you knew you had to um, sleep in the bed that you made? So reincarnation is one of cyclical action. And um, in order to break it, you know, you must walk the, the, the tightrope of meditation and, and right action. Um, but if you were to keep coming back, say to earth, you would want this place to be heaven, wouldn't you? You would want. You wouldn't wait until you died to get to heaven. You would really wish this uh, this uh, planet to be as good as it could be. So you'd leave it in a, in a better state um, than uh, than it was when when you were alive. So 
So when I think about death, I just think about this idea about um, continuation uh, of life now being a, a blessed state of, of reality that um, you know allows for karma uh, to, to be worked out on, on this plane for everybody. And it gives me some solace that you know bad people don't really get away with it in, in the long run uh, to some extent. Um, you know, you, you all have to pay your dues, but um, I, I take solace in in the complexity of reincarnation uh, and the and the ideas behind it. Um, so, you know, it makes me uh, think about taking more responsibility uh, in, in my in my actions today, uh, and that is a big aspect of what Guruji teaches: is don't wait. You know, you're you're going to have to face this. You know. Um, these decisions and these changes in your life at some point. So choose choose now, choose this lifetime. Don't, don't wait until, uh, you know, you're near death and uh, uh, don't, don't wait until next life, you know, just choose choose now uh, to take action. So that th those are literally my thoughts uh, on death. My thoughts? Brianne? Yeah, my, I remember speaking about death and reincarnation with a Muslim friend in, um, in school once. And it stayed in my memory and it went something like this it was like oh he said you know um i understand you know reincarnation is obviously not not part of the islamic faith but i i understand how you know the simplicity of it or the um you know the way logically it would make sense if you believe in the afterlife in any way logically it, it makes the most sense out of everything but out of all the you know different ways faiths look at death but why can you just tell me he asked me what why can you why can't why would it be that god has made it that you can't remember your former life mm. and i and I, and i thought i really thought you know thought hard about that and and then i said well if if i remembered my previous life my natural inclination would be to just do what i was doing in my previous life and to carry on doing it the same way I was doing it. So where would <laughs> where would the where would the evolution be if um, I remembered? And he said, "Ah, oh, so that's a pretty pretty good answer." But you know, at the time, I didn't really think this was you know when I was eighteen. And I'm thirty seven now. Didn't really think. I didn't really think too much about it. It just logically it made sense. But the, as I've grown older, um, you know, I've really really thought about that in a lot of um, in a lot of detail. For example, um, you know, you have you have you have inclinations, and you have you have. So, if if you were to be reborn with memory, uh, with with you wouldn't know where you've gone wrong. You wouldn't know where you need to be for the next stage of your evolution. Um, and obviously, God does know, so He puts you in that place for that's relevant for your next the next stage of your evolution. And I remember um, another talk from convocation. Um, and this was about um, from Sister Madhuri, I think, about prayer. And, and he was saying, um, you know, there was there was one devotee that was around during master's time. And um, he was wow. a very, very you know, lovely devotee, very, you know, very deep in, in the sadhana, steeply, deeply steeped in, 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 in their meditation practices, etc. But they had a lot of a lot of struggle. So like where if it wasn't health, they'd always have a health issue. If it wasn't health, then it would be family. If it wasn't family, it would be some financial thing. Um, so they had a lot of struggle and, and they were very up to the point of death. But, they, you know, they, 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 Sister Madhuri was saying, but she passed 
all through those all through those phases with with a lot of grace um but then one of after her passing or that person's passing someone asked um guruji or master why did that why did that person you know she's such a good person and she was so elevated why did she go through so much difficulty and then he he said um you know before she took this birth she asked she asked to resolve a lot of her karma mm. and 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 that is the reason why in this life she bit off much more than she could chew you know more, most people could chew but she actually chewed it and that's uh, it. yeah that's uh, one of our famous sayings isn't it there chew a, bite off more than you can chew and then chew it beautiful yeah. i i i like to start a lot like i oftentimes thought um when when you incarnate just before it there's like someone at at like a till or a teller or something <laughs> and you and he asks you so what do you want this time going to work you have this big chunk of karma here do you want to work on that or you know <laughs> yeah. and and i there must be some something like that going on i i don't like there's also this idea that you're not the victim of your own karma right especially when you once you start seeking god then you are in charge you know you have this much stuff ahead of you and you have to grind through it and whatever comes is meant to come and you have to go through it and um the more we can show acceptance to it um the better and death is i feel like it's like a blissful um like it's like a blissful reset button that that we can press and forget some of the mistakes we made and some of the pain that we felt and then next time we start over again um with less heaviness i guess so and it wouldn't be much of a life if we would remember all our past incarnations from birth right like where would the growing up thing be you know everything already right like what would a mother teach you if you <laughs> could remember your thousands of incarnations before yeah um Yeah. Was it Brother Alandamoy who um he said that he um after some some time he he picked up an ability to see into his past lives mm. and he started doing it and obviously he was he was very much enjoying what he was discovering and then mm. Guruji Guruji found out what he was doing and he said no no you need to stop that is not <laughs> that that's not the that's not the way basically you're getting you're getting lost in that um mm. in that uh, you need to you're here this is where you need to be and this is where you need to focus so leave that leave that baggage um, yeah but the yeah the baggage you know i uh, as part of the young adults group um we were doing readings and at one time we were reading reading the second coming of christ and uh, the subject was on death and i remember being shocked by by what it was reading there and you know people who have read this maybe you know uh, might be able to relate to this but uh, the the title of this section in the book i think it's early on in the book um was how to how how satan creates death disease and disturbance and you know initially the, the intentions uh, of god were to really live a, a perfect life and, and return back to god but satan uh, really had different plans let's say and created um created the you know the um desires and so on that has led to led to the existence that we uh, that we experience uh, and death is is a part of that um and it really made me think like wow you know if 
his death is a, and reincarnation actually is, is a part of you know, the, the um, cycle that Satan um, uses to, to ensure our, uh, let's say, captivity, you know, on this physical plane without returning to, to God. Um, it, 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 I suppose in a, in a way it really had a profound impact on how I viewed death. Um, and whilst, yes, it's a blessing uh, in, in so many ways that you kind of get another um, another go at life to to correct your karma. You don't get sent to hell for eternity like you do in some teachings. Um, you know, th this is something that is actually not intended, um, you know, as Yogananda would say, uh, by the creator, um, by God. Uh, this this the suffering that we have was not intended. So, um it really stirs something within me to say, you know, take action. You, you gotta, you gotta do this now. Don't, you know, don't, don't keep, don't just rely on this death cycle and rebirth cycle. Um, but, but that, but that uh, aspect in, in the uh, second coming of Christ really made me sit and, you know, meditate on that uh, aspect of the teachings of Yogananda. Beautiful. All right, I, I think this uh, wraps up our minute 22. If anyone wants to still add something, otherwise. I do want to add something. Go for I it. Want, I want to refer to another of our very famous films about dreams. Um, and let's, let us, you'll probably be able to guess. <laughs> let us refer to Saint Morpheus. Who says, oh, okay, the mate, where the mate in the matrix. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Morpheus says to Neo, have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? Mm. Jaguar, everyone. Jaguar. Mm.